Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we have the New Year's Smash Night 2 NXT. Triple H makes his return. Uh, Adam Pierce is all of a sudden a number one contender for the SmackDown belt. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band of Ringside podcast. I am your host, Bill Vagie, as always, a.k.a. Peter Dinklage. <laughs> can't remember if I've done that one before. Oh, geez, is that a repeat? Is that a repeat? It's like Back to the Future. Like, oh, wait, I've seen this one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm in two. Out there in Edwardsville, Illinois, we have two beers. Zach Pullman, what's going on, two beer? Oh, not much, man. Uh, I had some plans cancel earlier today, which for me is better than heroin. I just love canceled plans. And uh, so, yeah, this is all I got going on. And sitting to my left, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? There was a follow-up question there, and I can't believe you didn't ask that. But that's okay. Allow us to bow to our heads. Well, I know, I know he's tried heroin several, several, several times. Like, is that the follow-up question yes, you were talking about? Yes, so. Allow us to bow. Several. Okay, look, I just, we got to put it out there, man. I mean, you just left it on the table. You know, it was kind of like, never mind, I'm not going to say his name just yet. It's too early in the, uh, the pot. Allow us to bow our heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside podcast, volume 188, chapter 3, verse 14, and the good smart saith, hashtag, boo the heels. It is all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat. Big plans the next couple weeks. Um, I won't step on the boss man's toes. I'll let him break it down, but stay tuned. Uh, get ready to do some research because we're going to have a fun the next couple weeks. Yes, next week is our, I think our fourth Fourth annual beefers? I think so. Is it the fourth annual beefers? Uh, the beefers are our year-end award awards, and we have the categories that are going to be showing up on our Twitter account. Actually, I, wrote, I still got them right. I've got them wrote, written down right here. Why are you bullshit? All right, you want to just run them through? Um, we'll just kind of condense this best as possible. Um, men's and women's match of the year. Women's and men's uh, wrestler of the year, tag team of the year, tag team match of the year, uh, promo of the year, feud of the year, pay per view of the year, most overrated, most underrated, best and worst title change, scandal of the year, mark out moment of the year. So that's your 14 categories on Facebook. For, I, wait, I'm, did you say my favorite one? The worst angle of the year? Worst angle we did as. Feud of the year, worst angle of the year. So it's basically one and the same. So it's two different. Yeah. yeah. I love worst angle of the yeah, year. Yeah, because it's always something that's probably I haven't thought about. Ooh, and yeah. If somebody's going to get. Uh, oh, there's a few. Shit it on. But. Retribution. Stop. Raw come on. Come on. Come on. I'm stop. In no. your direction. That's <laughs> <laughs> say you looking at my, my notebook already. No, I, no, I did not. <laughs> but just for uh, social media purposes, on Facebook, on BFR. <laughs> Fans of Ringside Podcast on Facebook will have the incomplete list. On Friends of BFR on Facebook will have the complete list. On Twitter, 
I'm going to break it down to uh, categories a day so that way everybody can kind of get their fill in retweets and likes all that good stuff that way you can get your vote in we'll come back next week we'll compare some notes and pass out some awards yeah Break it's, it down. it's <laughs> <laughs> it no is, we ain't doing no shit like that because nobody's getting well actually somebody did get chopped down here so it is one of the funniest it's one of the funniest and funnest podcast of the year I so listened to last year's and it was it's really interesting how much a year changes so uh, if you haven't if you want to get a taste of what it is uh episode 137 from last year that's the taste of last year's beefers and it's like i said it's a trip down memory lane because it's a difference of a year makes it's pre-pandemic so a lot of this is Oh, we were so innocent. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of this is going to be really trippy to kind of go back and listen to. Like I said, I listened to the back half of it. It's a double episode. Front half is uh, Russell Kingdom and me boohooing over Nido winning. So, yeah, it's a fun episode to go back and listen to. So if you want to go back, check it out. Like I said, episode 137 is the last year's Beef Rewards to prepare for this year's Beef Rewards. Out of curiosity, before we get into this week, uh, you know, guys, I always say there's tons to talk about because, you know, there's always tons to talk about. This week, there's not a whole lot to talk about. So <laughs> we're going to do our best. Um, but out of curiosity, last year was the word three hours. was the word coronavirus mentioned in that podcast at all? No. Not at all. Because I remember in January, it was it was something that you had heard of. But we had no that was idea. Stuff that was happening in Italy, like menage a trois and stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you heard about it, but you, did, you didn't know anybody that actually had that happen to. So at that point, it was kind of weird. And like I said, uh, I listened to the whole two-hour episode, and we never even said the word coronavirus at any point. So like I said, it's... It's a trippy episode in the sense of where we were versus where we are in society and in the world in general. But in the world of wrestling, it was a couple of parts where I had to giggle because, once again, me and my compadre to my right had some uh, words. Uh, another shot bet that uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to win here in a little bit. Oh, really? You don't say? The Baron Corbin shot bet. What was my bet? We bet it last year that Baron Corbin would be champion, either Universal or WWE champion by 2021. That was before coronavirus. Not, everything's changed now. <laughs> um, we're coming at you from South City. It's gloomy outside. Jason, tell us about FB Eatery. FB Eatery on the corner of 3453 Southampton and Marquette, home of the famous Smash Burger you've never heard of. So let's alleviate that. Start 2021 the right way. Slide on in. Get you a Smash Burger. Tell me, Bam from Ringside sent you. <clears throat> Excuse me. And without further ado, let's get to that three count. JCB, kick us off. We're going to jump ahead a little bit this week. We're going to do the Wednesday Night Wars as the one count. Um, I'll start with the NXT portion of the Wednesday Night Wars. This felt, uh, well, I shouldn't say felt. This was dedicated more so to the start of the Dusty Rhodes Classic, both on the men's side and announcing the eight women on the women's side. I'm not sure... If the Women's Dusty Classic has a tag team title match 
implication on it. I'm would hope assume it would, but I don't think that they've said anything as of yet. But you had three Dusty Road title or uh, tournament matches. Uh, not to go over the whole shebang, but in no particular order, you had Undisputed Era defeating Brizongo. You had uh, I'm thinking I'm saying this rest right. MSK. MSK. Formerly the Rascals. Uh, Fun team. Yeah, and this is. Where unfortunately, fortunately for others, unfortunately for me, where I watch a shit ton of wrestling, the Rascals were on my radar. I wasn't thinking that they were going to be on the Dusty Classic, but it was a great time to get them introduced onto the Dusty Classic. They defeated uh, Jake Atlas and Swerve Scott, which was almost kind of destined to be considering that they had been wrestling each other for the last couple weeks. And then, of course, backstage, they got into a little shoving match where Bronson Reed steps in and Swerve doesn't necessarily say anything, but you can kind of see he doesn't appreciate Bronson Reed stepping in this business. So that might be a tease of it's, it's things one of those, to come. It's one of those situations that we talk about where you have a tournament you know, we talk about this with the G1 all the time. You have a tournament, and then you're able to book out from the tournament because natural stuff would happen should this be a real sport. Correct. Um, trying to think what the third match was. Brazongo. Not Brazongo and Undisputed Era was the main event. Grizzled Young Veterans, that was the third match. They wrestled Everize. Everize, I like, because they're a young up-and-coming heel team. But it kind of felt like they were – set up to to lose this match but it made still storyline sense because Everize and Grizzly Young Veterans did have a, a little beef leading up to this match but Grizzly Young Veterans they advanced so you got a 16 team tournament where we're going to probably go for the next three weeks if my math is right all the way up to uh, I'm assuming TakeOver will be the finals for the Dusty Classic um, I didn't think they would be able to pull this off but I looked at the the bracket a couple of times. It's a decent bracket. It's nothing crazy. You can kind of foresee where we're going with this. I would assume that you would have at least Grizzly Young Veterans and Undisputed Era on one side and Imperium and MSK on the other side. That's my at least my precursor Final Four. And then from there, as long as, and this is no disrespect to Undisputed Era. I mean, I'm an Undisputed Era guy, but it's time for them to take a back seat, at least this version. If this was Kyle O'Reilly and uh, Bobby Fish, I would be totally on board. That was was the tag team of the Undisputed Era. Obviously, as we've seen through this episode of NXT, Kyle O'Reilly is not a tag team guy anymore. They're basically putting him up front and center as the the lead vocalist, if you will, if this was a band. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Adam Cole has kind of taken the back seat, which is very cool to see. But, I mean, that is some massive disrespect from you on my man, Roddy Strong. But, you know, we'll have to table that for a second. Hey, Zach, what do you think about the Dusty Classic? I love getting the last word in there. <laughs> <laughs> As I nod my head like Samoa Joe. Hey, All right, motherfucker. It's it's okay. Uh, there's a lot of just guys like kind of thrown together, and I know that that's just like kind of a thing. Uh, whenever you have kind of this large of a group, it's just not a super strong 
tag division, um, which is why I was surprised that they did a women's one because, I mean, there isn't, like, a single women's tag team in NXT that I can even just think of off the top of my head. So, uh, I mean, you got, like, some people that are together, like Raquel and uh, Dakota and stuff, um, kind of like, you know, their heavies or, like, their sidekicks or whatever, Candice and uh, Indy Hartwell. I don't even know if they'll be teams, you know what I mean? It's just It just seems kind of weird to just like hey it's like the thing it's like oh there's a men's version so we got to have a women's version just for the parody of doing it because it's 2021 and i don't think that's accurate i don't think that makes for compelling television when you just do something just to do it and this that's your it's classic even the men's side it just seems like all right it's that time of year we're going to do this because this is what we do um and i'm all for tournaments for sure it just doesn't seem like i don't know it doesn't seem as exciting as maybe previous years. Maybe it's just the, the tag team division, but I think we're going to get some good matches out of it. And at least we have like with the tournament, you have a built-in story. There are stakes, right? Like, you know, maybe get to see some people shine. Yeah. It's uh, also, like, it's also a way to get guys experience to be on TV. You know, a friend of the show, Kurt Stallion is in the tag team with August gray. Hopefully they get an NXT match. I think are, are all the matches happening on NXT? As far as I can tell, yeah. Well, then it you know it gives guys experience. Let them get, let them get some uh, some let them get some ground underneath them, you know. But yes, there there's not. I mean, how many teams are there? Sixteen. There's sixteen, 16 yeah. teams. Yeah, that's a lot. Are the Singh brothers in it? Oh no, there's yes. People or you know, there's sixteen teams, and then there's uh, yeah. Eight was, on each side. I mean, how would you feel if you were a tag team and weren't included in this? That's a whole bunch of fucking No, that's tag teams, and yeah, man. that's what I was saying. There's so many tag teams. There's teams are that the are in the new day? Yeah, right. There's tag teams that are legit tag teams. The outsiders. And then there's teams that, that you know, we gotta fill with the void or whatever. So we're putting you two guys together. You know, August Gray and Kurt Stallion, you know, Kurt Stallion, friend of the show, God bless him, you know. I want him to do well. Yeah, we you know, love him. I would love to to see them steal a first round win. But I mean, basically, you'd have you got teams like that. So I mean, it kind of. I I agree with Zach. I get where he's saying it. Kind of is the symbol of what has kind of happened to the NXT tag team division, where it was you know like one of the beacons of the NXT brand itself, and it, it's it's just not the same anymore. You really got about three or four really standout tag teams and then everybody else. Don't want to jump too far ahead, but goddamn, can you imagine a tag team tournament in AEW? Oh, my God. They are loaded <laughs> with tag teams. Say, don't, get, don't get Zach ahead of himself. They're having I'd a say. triple threat tag team match yeah. next week in the same faction. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, sorry, Jason. Hey, what, hey. What, what else happened? Um, speaking of Kyle O'Reilly, Kyle O'Reilly uh, comes back on TV playing the injury injured jaw angle. He and Pete Dunne eventually meet up at the end of the NXT show. Um, Kyle O'Reilly basically playing the bodyguard, but not cleared for action. And as the kings of NXT come down to attack, he was the first line of defense overcome by the kings of NXT, but then Finn Balor, who was take cut a promo beforehand, basically calling out who was ever next. Pete Dunne basically comes down to answer the challenge, so I think we're getting that match for sure. I can't see a triple threat at this point. It just wouldn't make sense, but maybe a tag team match to lead to 
uh, Finn Balor and Pete Dunne, but neither here nor there. When Pete Dunne and the Kings of NXT jumped Finn Balor at the top of the show, Kyle O'Reilly made the save. So Finn Balor in true babyface fashion returns the favor at the end of the show, but they still both get overran by the Kings of NXT, which I thought was going to cost uh, Undisputed Era with a match, which I wish they would have did because I'm as much as I like Undisputed Era once again, and you can call this shade against Roddy Strong if you choose. Brazango is the more legit team. They are a team. They are former tag team champions. Roddy Strong and Adam Cole were tag team champions only because Bobby Fish got hurt. If it wasn't for Bobby Fish getting hurt, that'd be a Kyle Raleigh and Bobby Fish being tag team champions at that point, neither here nor there. Okay? It's not a shade on Roddy Strong. It just kind of is what it is. I didn't, I mean, I didn't say that. You brought it up yourself. This a uh, bitch. Can we talk about... <laughs> Can we talk about how much fun that Brazongo versus Undisputed Era match was, though? Like, I loved watching Tyler Breeze and Adam Cole go for the super kick at the same time. And then they kind of circled around. They had that mutual respect and they gave each other a dap. dap before they went back into it. Uh, Zach, did you watch that match? Which one? I'm sorry. Brazongo and uh, Undisputed. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was like the best kind of work on the show. I liked um, Candace and. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart as well as a match, even though I didn't like like the interference, but that match was really good. I th- uh, I've said it before. I you know Tyler Breeze is only thirty three. Fandango is probably not much older than that. They are not done by any stretch of the imagination, but no. they do kind of feel like they. I mean, especially especially Tyler Breeze in NXT in its current incarnation kind of feels like the old guard, you know, because he was the one that he built the NXT as it is now before or after since it's been a stupid competition show or whatever. I don't even I didn't watch it then. When I think of NXT, I think of the very first takeover. Tyler Breeze was on that very first takeover show. Okay, that to me is what it NXT is in the way I think of it. He just seems so much more confident now. You know, we watched yeah. that not not that long ago. We watched that pay-per-view, but he seems so much more confident and so much more sure of himself. He's a gr- he's a great wrestler and they're a great tag team and I would like to see them do more with it. I- I'm admittedly a big Fandango fan. Uh Zach, what did you think about Larray versus Shotzi? I'd like they really pushing Shotzi hard. They see something in her, and I do not think that they are wrong about that. I think uh, they're, you know, doing a good job with her. She's a super hard worker. Like you can tell, she puts a lot of effort into her character, and she puts herself on the line. You know, not quite as dangerous as say a uh, Darby Allen or something like that, but definitely uh, up there as far as you know, kind of scary sometimes. But uh, they, you know, had a really good match. They were flying around, and uh, I liked it. I don't like that not all the heels need outside interference. I know it's kind of the whole Gargano way gimmick, and it's just like a very main roster way to get heat. Um, so it's kind of bumming me out because I really like that faction because I like the, the main two, even though Austin Theory still needs to prove himself to me. He's a pretty amazing douchebag, but I feel like it's because he's a douchebag. <laughs> but we'll see. Oh, you don't think he's 
you don't think he's doing like method acting? You think that's actually just him being a douchebag? Yeah, because like it's not like Sammy Guevara, who's an amazing douchebag, but like if you watch his like video blog and stuff, like he's a legit like amazing guy. I just and also like MJF, who's the biggest douchebag. Yeah. And even though we and we met even when we met him, he was a huge douchebag. But there's no way that he's ingratiated himself to all of these top level performers and has a position in the company if he wasn't like legit salt of the earth kind of guy when he's not in character. So. Yeah, it's it's it seems it seems hard to believe unless <laughs> unless, unless they're all douchebags too. I was about Which, to say uh, that's also something I think about. Your boy was getting ready to get that three piece <laughs> Starcast. <laughs> what you say? Spill what on your what? I think I have his phone number. I was going through my numbers the other day, and for some reason, I think I have MJF's phone number. I almost called it last night during the inner circle just to see if it was him, and I know he wouldn't answer. Just to be like, is this fucking MJF? You should have called it. I'll call it right here on on air. <laughs> I dare you, motherfucker. We'd have to hang up on Zach. No, though. that would yeah, right. Uh, Zach, we're gonna call you right back. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I do remember that. It was all about the wing sauce. We're sitting there, and he just he was getting ready to leave, and. I knew it was MJF, and I was just like, okay, so, you know, it was weird because he didn't look, you know, big or anything. He just looked kind of, you know, an average kind of, you know. Yeah, he's a, re- he's a regular size, size kind of guy. And next thing you know, he's over here talking shit to Bill, and I'm like, what the fuck? He, he, now, hold on a second. That's not how it went. So I worked the night before. I was not hung over or anything. I was just low on sleep and low on eating. And I was eating wings, and I don't even remember where we got the wings. We might have taken them from Jack Patrick's or something. We did. And I was eating the wings, and MJF sits down next to me, and we were talking. To, you were talking to some other podcasters, and he elbowed you, and he like pointed at this guy that was sitting down in our chair. And I had no idea who the fuck MJF was. I was like, who's this guy? I was like, am I supposed to interview this douche? I don't know who the fuck he is. <laughs> this guy looks at me, and he goes, don't, put, don't get wing sauce on my coat. I go, I'm not going to. I was like, do you usually see people eat wing sauce and have it flying away from them so they <laughs> lands four feet away? I was like, I'm not going to get wing sauce on your coat, dude. I had no idea who the fuck he was. That's great. That's great. I asked him. I didn't even know who he was, but I was like, hey, you want to cut some pod? He's like, what, well, you want to cut 30 seconds of pod? He's like, SU's picking me up in 30 seconds. He called me, called me some name. I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I remember the SCU part. Um, so uh, good times. <laughs> uh, we had Finn Balor comes out uh, with Undisputed Era after Pete Dunne and the Kings of NXT. You know when uh, McAfee's not there, Pete Dunne is the de facto leader of Kings of NXT, which I like. It know? should be. Yeah, it's not going to be Danny Burch or anything. No. And it's going to be Pete Dunne. He's the one with charisma. I like the story that they're telling. <laughs> No offense to the other two guys. <laughs> I, like the, I like the story that they're telling with um, with Finn Balor and Undisputed Era, where it's almost like a begr- begrudging respect, though. You know what I mean, Zach? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that there is some kind of mutual uh, respect there. And I think if maybe not for that, broken jaw that we might have had Finn Balor in the War Games match with them. Because you remember he mm-hmm. did the whole thing where he's yeah. like, uh, the cat's away, the mouse will play, and look what the cat dragged in. You know, yeah. that weird like promo that he did and the Undisputed Era came out. So uh, definitely like a super faction, right? <laughs> definitely like, I mean, you got 
former Bullet Club leader, Finn Balor, Prince Devitt, and former Bullet Club member, you know, Adam Cole. So well, he let he lived well, I guess de facto led him and Cody had that rivalry with who's the true leader, but neither here nor there. Honestly, and I was thinking about that when they were in the ring and they were, you know, chanting too sweet or whatever. They had, they being WWE, had the opportunity to lean into it. And once again, in classic WWE fashion, two re- two things. Number one, it fell into their lap without their doing. And number two, they didn't capitalize on it when they had the chance to do it. When Finn Balor and AJ wrestled, I guess that was Survivor Series two years ago. It feels like it was two years ago now. And it was an impromptu match. Somebody got hurt. And the next thing you know, AJ and Finn was like the day of announced match. That shit immediately got me excited because it was a match that we weren't supposed to see and now we're going to see this you know in the wwe curtain and at the end you know they put up the you know they had this amazing fucking match they two sweetied each other and then they you know they went their separate ways that was the time when i don't even think we were talking about AEW at this point i mean AEW wasn't even on the radar that was the time that they could have did you know their own version of the Bullet Club, the Elite, or whatever you want to call it, and kind of ran with that. Good Brothers were still here. So, I mean, you know, that's your base foundation for a faction, and they passed on that. I mean, so, like I say, I'll always WWE gets in their own way sometimes. If they wouldn't have made Cody Rhodes, and I said this last year, you guys poo-pooed me on it. If they wouldn't have made Cody Rhodes be Stardust, they wouldn't have an AEW problem to this day, and I stick to that. Yeah, I'm not sure if I agree with that. I mean, it's not like it's not like if they would have not. It, we've we've already litigated this last week. I, I don't I don't know why we're doing this again. Where are we at here? Are, are we done with the Finn Balor Undisputed Era conversation? Because yep. I just got back from a piss. Um, Jesus Christ. I, dude, I piss so much. Uh, <laughs> Nobody needs to hear that either. <laughs> hey, my listeners, our listeners our are listeners. my family. <laughs> See how he is? They're me. my family. My His fans, listeners. My fans. Right. They want to know. You over here, Kenny Omega and us. Oh shit, we the, we the box. He's Kenny Omega. I got to be honest, guys. I don't drink that much coffee. I just had some coffee, and I am hopped up. So... Um, he just Kenny Omega us. Uh, so Gargano versus Loomis. Gargano goes over. We're watching Gargano right now. We're getting ready to do that NXT takeover. I don't think I mentioned it in the in the intro. Stupid. NXT takeover Philadelphia. What do you think about Gargano versus Loomis? Go ahead, too, I it was So I saw one of the best Gargano matches ever this week, and then I saw it was probably the worst Gargano match ever. Also this week, mm. I just hated this match. I, think I hate Dexter Loomis. I don't hate. I, like I said, I'm, I don't know what his name is. I'm sure, he's a fine person. I just don't know why. Like the dude's like in his thirties. They, they act like they want to give him this big push. They give him all this TV time, but they don't really have anything that they actually want to do with him. I just don't get it. It's like he's got some kind of dirt on Triple H or something. <laughs> I didn't hate the match. The match itself. I didn't hate the match. Yeah, I was going to say, independent of how I feel 
about Dexter Loomis's character. I thought the match was good. Okay, now from that point, once the match ended, and then you had Gargano getting separated with Kushida, and then I can't even remember who Dexter Loomis was fighting off at the on the other side. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Austin Theory. Austin Theory. Okay, I could care less about that. I was more concerned with Kushida versus Johnny Gargano. And that's, to me, an indictment on the Dexter Loomis character. I just don't have an interest in it. It hasn't intrigued me in any form or fashion. I have no idea what it is. So at a certain point, you know, I just kind of quick it off. But the match itself, I thought was a good match. Of course it was a good match. It was two guys that can work, two guys that are really good. Gargano really doesn't have bad matches. I Listen, I'm not in love with the Dexter Loomis character, but I feel like I have to defend him from Zach because he's just fine. Like he, he definitely knows who the fuck he is. Like I'm glad like he does. The wrestler. I think you made that joke <laughs> before. Yeah, I'm glad he does. I do not. I have no idea. Man, I'm saying this. The line starts over here next to my man TBZ. I am not mad at you, dog. Nobody knows if he was like. He, he's a good sketch artist. That's the one thing I think we can get away from it. Outside of that, I don't know what else he is. Which is the weirdest, like, non sequitur in wrestling history. Like, why is he a good sketch artist? Like, I don't know anything else about his character. He doesn't speak. He glares. He's got a hard part. I don't know. Like, I, I really can't deal. defend the sketch artist. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> saying, yeah, you might as well just let us stomp on it and just leave it alone. I, I think it's actually pretty funny, to be honest. All right. Uh, the uh, It's like they rolled some dice, right? You know, like, it's like, you know. It's like, like wrestler uh, Mad Libs. Exactly, yeah. It's just like verb here, adjective here, and then it just ended up. Dexter Lewis. Lewis. Promo promo style, none. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite TV show, Stranger Things. (laughs) Um, So now we can talk about something that was good, which was the Ciampa Timothy Thatcher segment, uh, moderated by Wade Barrett. This was a a sit down with the cinematic camera angles. And I thought this was a tremendous way to promote the fight pit match that's coming up next week between these two guys. What do you think, Jason? I was already excited about fight pit. This did nothing to squelch that excitement. Um, Ciampa is Ciampa. I mean, he's not backing down from the fact that he thinks that he said it. You know, the wrestler, Timothy Thatcher, he's got respect for. You know, tough as nails. You know, the the teacher, Timothy Thatcher, you know, he thinks he sucks. And that's where the crux of this is going to boil down to. It's a tremendous angle to come at the match from. Yeah. You know, he's giving him credit as the wrestler. But, you know, this is why we cannot get along. So we're going to get this shit under the fight pit. Dude, I can fucking excited. I cannot fucking wait. NXT has done this angle well, and it has nothing to do with titles. It's just basically, you know, two guys that just don't like each other, so now we just got to get in this fucking pit and see how this is going to unfold. I think this might be the, the role for Ciampa to come back, honestly, and maybe go against Karrion Cross one more time before after he becomes champion, but I don't think that angle has been played out just yet. The squashing of Ciampa cannot be just pushed aside 
that has to come back around full circle. So I'm thinking that's what, somewhere we're going to get that. But first things first, fight pit next week. Nigga can't wait. So Ciampa goes over in my guess is, Cornelius Bell's opinion. My guess, yes. All right. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't get to see this promo. It wasn't on my Hulu version, unfortunately. But I didn't need it to get excited about this match because these guys are both great. And it's a great feud. Even though it started a little weird, like Champa was doing those uh, promos where he'd like sit in a chair backwards and then he would just like talk about people that were talking about they were being tough and then he'd like get up real fast and then the <laughs> camera would turn off. Like it was like, that's kind of weird. But, uh, and they were beating some of these Thatcher at the same time. So, like Rocky Start, right? Really, but if you look at it as a fan of these two guys and like who their characters are they're just two absolute badasses and that's all you need you don't need a story a lot of times i just want to see two badass dudes get in the ring and beat the shit out of each other like shingo and ishii don't need a story i'd watch it every day yeah i mean i don't need can't argue with that i'm gonna i'm gonna let you guys in on a little secret here uh, I own a Tommaso Ciampa shirt, the Blackheart shirt. I wear it often when I'm wrestling. It looks cool. It doesn't scream. You wrestling. wrestle? Or uh, when, when I'm bartending. Sorry. <laughs> wait, wait, hold, hold up. That coffee's got me all jacked up. <laughs> wait, man, hold up. I wear my Ciampa shirt when I'm bartending sometimes. I like it because it doesn't scream wrestling shirt, but it's a cool shirt, you know. I'm a big Ciampa mark. I'm rooting for Thatcher. Really? Yes. I think that, and maybe maybe because he's so similar to Ciampa, and it's almost like a new version of Ciampa, I just like how he's a badass, and he's not scared. He's not scared. He he plays kind of heelish, but he's not, one, he's not a chicken shit heel at all. But he's also not this huge monster like Karrion Cross or Brian Cage or somebody like that. He's just a, he's just a, a kind of a regular-sized dude that happens to love to fight. And I like that. And also, I like his attitude in his segments. I think he's a really good talker. I think he's a really good promo. Yeah, and MLW did not do themselves justice by letting him get away. No, not at all. And uh, he was in, wasn't he the Dragon Gate belt holder, too, for a while? Two beer? Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't know that he was in uh, <laughs> Dragon, or, yeah, Dragon Gate. I'm not sure. I can't watch everything, dude. Anyway, he's yeah. a badass. They're both badasses, and I'm really looking forward to that to match. Him, yeah, my introduction to him was MLW, and I can't believe nobody's picked up Filthy Tom Lawler, man. I mean, it's nice to see him on New Japan Strong, but same kind of dude. Like, Filthy Tom is like Timothy Thatcher with, like, funny charisma, right? Just, like, a goof. Yeah. Like, he's, like, he's like a total jerk-off like us. Like, he would probably hop on this podcast just because he's Don't Don't give me like, ideas. You know, um, yeah. I, said, no. I said Dragon Gate. He it's simultaneously the held the Evolve and the Open the Freedom, Freedom Gate Championships. Okay. Well, yeah, that's Dragon Gate, though. Yeah. That is Dragon Gate? Yeah, their titles are named, like, they're not, like, the Dragon Gate title. They're, like, the... Oh, yeah. okay. So he and Drew Galloway are the only two guys to ever hold them si- simultaneously. Huh. Nice. Yeah. Small world. Yeah. Um, just a quick uh, Filthy Tom Lawler thought tom lawler is on mlw they just did their opera cup tournament the winner gets the number one contender spot tom lawler won so i'm not sure if that's saying that he's i'm pretty sure that he re-signed with mlw don't quote me on that but if he hasn't 
Okay, then I was going to say yeah. him winning this tournament is a pretty safe bet, and he ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and like Court Bauer is like good about letting his talent like work elsewhere. I mean, MJF was you know and right. like a lot of those guys, and like so he's like very interpromotional. Whatever's you know good for the goose is good for the gander. I'm just surprised nobody like bigger picked up Tom because like I, I'm a fan. So no, I, I am too. I just I mean ultimately. Let's just call it a spade a spade. Either he would go to one or two places at this point. He would either go to WWE or AEW. He feels more AEW to me than uh, WWE to me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, and we talked about Atlas and Swerve. Um, the We talked about Brazongo versus Undisputed Era, too. So I, I think we made it all the way through NXT, unless there's any other thoughts that you guys have. Uh, just to throw out the eight women for the women's Dusty Cup, you would have. Oh, so there's only eight women. They're making half. Ooh, See, you ain't shit. Not even 70%. <laughs> Not even 70%. Um, I forgot. Uh, Caden Carter and <laughs> Casey Canizero are a team. Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm are a team. We talked about Candice LeRae and uh, Indy Hartwell are a team. And then Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon became a team at the start of the show. So those are going to be the eight women. Uh, for the uh, immigrants and minorities. See, see, you ain't shit. Oh, yeah, I was getting ready to say you didn't change it back. I haven't changed it back to he's heating up yet. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the eight women for the uh, the Dusty Cup uh, championship. Um, I'm rooting for Mar Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm. Yeah, that's, that's a hot ticket. All right, let's get to that two count. One, two. Three. Two beer. What's a two count? Two count is AEW. Uh, I got home from work last night and had a couple beers. And um, yeah, it's degree. like the most you tweeted in like two years, dude. For real, yeah. I was on there. Jason was a little bit behind me, uh, but I crashed pretty soon after Jason started tweeting. I I didn't make it all the way through, but I was having a good time with this show and a good time on Twitter, uh, which I just don't. I don't tweet as much as I used to. I think it's the pandemic. I think it's the, the overall state of the nation. I don't really feel very social um, any, in general. So uh, I just haven't really on Twitter. But this show was a lot of fun. And uh, starts out with a bang, Eddie Kingston versus Pac. And as you can imagine, this was a really good match. Not like a pay-per-view level match or anything. This is more to set up angles, right? This is not... Um, in the end of this kind of situation. But uh, they start off, you know, with the curtain jerker and uh, Pat goes over Eddie Kingston, which is not like a huge surprise because in my mind, with AEW, the way that they book and the fact that wins and losses matter, I think of like the only person besides John Moxley, you know, to get a... Actually, Moxley didn't even do it. Uh, Pac's the only guy to get, like, a singles win over Kenny Omega, right? So, like, uh, there's going to be a Pac kenny Omega match coming up. And we had to wait a long time for it, which is cool. And so, but in the meantime, we also have a lot going on with Lance Archer coming out after this and Butcher and Blade and the Lucha Brothers so we can get some six-man action in there with those teams, you know, maybe Eddie Kingston can kind of get his win back. That sounds like me saying like 
50-50 booking, but maybe like Eddie Kingston's like faction can kind of get one over on Pac's faction and we can kind of see, you know, where that plays out. But there's a lot of fun matchups there on the way to Pac and Kenny Omega, which, I mean, maybe not a pay-per-view match, even though it definitely could be, but definitely Shit. a hot ticket for a Wednesday in, you know, February or something. You want to pop a rating, uh, Pac and Kenny Omega again. I mean, like, why the hell not? Last one ruled. Pack looked great against Kingston. Mm. Doesn't he just is isn't it crazy? Like that dude has barely wrestled. And I mean, think about all the time he had to take off with his WWE contract, all the time he had to take off with the coronavirus. And then he just jumps in and he's just so crisp and so good. It it's impressive. Yeah, everything looks uh everything looks stiff too. I mean, he's you know, for a guy that he he's really like the total package. Oh shit, it was stiff on sorry, two beer, go ahead. Oh, that's all. I was just agreeing. It was stiff on both sides of the fence. I mean, Eddie Kingston was laying the chops on uh, Pac where the point where one side of his chest was nice beat red. So, I mean, it, it was going both ways. And this was a scenario where, once again, I think Eddie Kingston doesn't necessarily check all the boxes that some wrestling fans are looking for. But, I mean, ultimately, for me, the two boxes that he checks is that, A, when he talks, I listen, and, B, he comes in and he lays people the fuck out. He puts people – he puts physicality on people. You know that this is going to be some sort of a hard-hitting match. Anytime he's coming to AEW, any match he's had in AEW, it's been physical. Yeah, I wish it would have politics a little harder when Kingston was, you know, hanging out with uh, in Glory Pro, right? Because uh, we could have got him, and we should have, but he wasn't quite as much on my radar as being, like, such a ridiculous talent. And um, he seems like a really stand-up dude, just like a you know, person. And um, like you said, checking boxes. Like, this is a guy that would absolutely not succeed in WWE, Mm-mm. and not because of him. It's because... Vince would take one look at him and he just wouldn't, he wouldn't see it. Right. Even though you give Eddie Kingston a mic and he's going to give you in five minutes a world title program. And he's going to make you, he's going to sell that program and make you believe um, that he's going to take this title. And it's, it's a bummer in one sense, but thankfully we do get to see him on national TV every week. And he, is definitely respected there, and he's got a good place. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of I, I like him a lot. Kingston, yeah, he's unbelievable, Kingston, man. No, like, what? Yeah. Uh, Jesus he Christ! Probably, he probably never thought that he'd be in this spot, and they are giving him such a platform, and he is a really kind of a revelation to watch. He is so good at what he does, I, and and he looks like shit. He's, he's he looks like a tubby guy like me. You know, I might even look better in the sink than he does. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, I was gonna say you give yourself a little too much credit. Whoa, but man, <laughs> he is uh he he's really fun to watch. And I, I'm like I didn't know who he was really before he came to AEW, except for when we saw him at uh Glory Pro. Right. And I'm I mean, like I feel I feel like, like proud of him. Right? What'd you say? And so let's be honest, he looks like a guy that smokes commercial. Yes, he does. And I I just, I, I root for him. I'm just, like, I, I'm kind of proud of him. I'm happy for him. He, yeah, he's I was going to say. He's the type of dude that just. Myron Reed, Kurt Stallion, Kingston, uh, Desmond Wolf, guys like those that we cross paths with. Hell, uh, 
Danny Birch, you know, guys that we cross paths with on the independent scene that I see now on TV, you know, I always kind of like shake my head. I'm like, you know what? That's cool. You know, we cross paths with these jokers and that's cool to see them on the way to the road to ultimate success. Kingston is the probably one of the biggest of the bunch, or we could say, uh, Dominic Dijakovic, front of me of the show. Uh, he's on the main roster, on obviously on WWE. So, yeah, you can. Uh, yeah. There was. I feel like in that scenario, we've been blessed to have certain brushes with greatness along this little joy ride that we've called uh, Bam from Ringside. For sure, and that's a good segue. Another guy that we saw wrestle at uh, KC Hall in Alton, uh, not all that long ago, Chuck Taylor. Um, was uh, in the ring with Miro with the stipulation of if Chuck Taylor loses, he will be Miro's young boy until uh, the wedding, Kip Sabian Penelope Ford's wedding, which I think is like February 3rd. So yeah, it's like a month away. There's like an end date to the humiliation, which I called it last week. I figured this was going to happen, but Miro gave him a lot at the beginning of this match. And Chucky e. T's running wild, and then Miro gets the heat and just, you know, beats the shit out of him and puts him in the accolade. I don't know if they're calling it the accolade. Uh, Game over. Yeah. I don't think they're calling it the accolade. No. As far as I'm concerned, it's called Game Over. Oh, that's a good good one. Um, So I'll I'll just say this. I've been a big Rusev slash Miro guy since the beginning of the podcast. Don't roll your eyes, Jason. I'm not rolling my eyes, dude. I mean, give me a little fucking credit. Have I not jumped on board lately? This was basically a squash match. I mean, Chuck Taylor got a little bit of offense at the beginning. It only lasted three three minutes or something. Yeah, Chuck Taylor took half the first half and Mira took the last half. I don't... That's a squash. I don't think that this is the best use of Miro. I like this angle with Chuck Taylor, but I don't like him being the heavy... For let's let's just face it, a bland act like Kip Sabian. I mean, Kip Sabian is kind of just your run-of-the-mill wrestling act, right? I mean, there's nothing there's nothing that stands out about Kip Sabian, is there? Is he the heavy though? Oh, I would say Miro's the heavy. I mean, I'm, I'm, they call him the best man, okay, which means okay. that he is second to the guy who is the groom. Okay. I see where you're going with that, but I don't look at it that way. When I see those three people, I see Miro first, and I'm a huge Kip Sabian guy. Well, that's you're a huge Kip Sabian. Yeah, guy? I think they've they've grossly underused him, but that's another story for another time. I know you don't he's like a, him. He's really talented. It's not that I don't like him. I just I I don't really like the act. As much. Okay, then that that's fine. But I'm just saying for me personally, when I see those three. Miro has really started to kind of creep out towards front and center the way it should be. Finally, and I don't yeah. have, and four I, years later, okay. you're on my side about Miro. Fine. Well, <laughs> shit, sometimes it takes a little bit. At, never, ooh, I should have. Check out episodes. Wait, what'd four, you just say? I was getting ready to say something yeah. really fucked <laughs> What were you getting ready to say? I was going to say, ask Trump supporters how long it took them to kind of finally figure out what the fuck was going on. Well, it took them, have, some of them took four years. No, they haven't figured it out yet. I said some of them took four years. Some of yeah. them. Others have not yeah, converted. 
if you guys want to rehash the is Bruce have a star conversation, uh, see episodes four through 37. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it every week. And I still couldn't remember that Jason was the one that didn't think it was a star. Yeah, I know. Zach. Yeah, like episode 100, Zach came after me. He's like, see, Bill? Oh, now you think Rusev's cool. I was like, I, I always thought he was cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to say, look. With, with their gimmick, um, I think part of it is where Vince kind of hands do a gimmick or WWE creative hands do a gimmick. They kind of let these guys insert their personalities and, and kind of come up with their own characters. And a common thread with those guys is like the Twitch and the gaming and Miro's kind of being more of himself, which is like, it's, it's an interesting character, right? Like the, it looks like he wears pajamas sometimes, but it's really like, like Gucci stuff. That's worth more than like both my cars combined. It's just like one outfit. that's like incredibly expensive, but or he's like Vito Spadafore (laughs) (laughs) on the Johnny cake. episode. That's great. I'll be a Sopranos. I still need to watch Sopranos, but um, yes. Uh, You're a nerd. Yeah, like, so I don't know. It, it, you know, time will tell with, with them. Like, I don't think, um, I don't think, I, I think people get a little bit critical and they would have been critical if they pushed him to the moon because he's a WWE guy. Then they're going to be critical because he's not getting enough push. You know what I mean? It's just, you, you're going to lose either way. Now, hold on a second. That's what people say. Like, but I mean, do you think that that's what I'm saying? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that's what you're saying. I'm just saying like people in general. Hold me back. Yeah, Hold right. me back. <laughs> no, I, I, I have no problem with how they're handling Miro right now because right now the the world title scene is is pretty locked down, and I won't. I shouldn't it's say locked down. It should be. Well, okay, call it exclusive, but I'm just saying. Just to kind of foreshadow what's going to happen, Moxley's going to have to get another title shot. Pac's going to—they dropped the, t- the the nugget that Pac is when one of the only ones to pin Omega a Queen in a, a match, so he's got to get a title shot. This is what we talked about either last week or the week before: is that they are loaded with possibilities. They are loaded for bear. They could book out the next eighteen months if they wanted to. They really could. If they wanted to, barring any any injuries, which right. are, are always going to happen, but right. they could really book out so far in advance because there are so many guys that could go for the belt, the the big belt at least, and then you have, you know, the TNT Championship. Also, I I just they're they're in a really good spot right now. And my problem isn't that Miro's not getting a title shot because fuck Champa and Thatcher aren't getting title. No, and, and and you know Ness and. That's a great example of you don't need to have the title to have a good match. I'm just saying you don't have to worry about it. Give it six months. Miro's going to slide up because others are going to slide down because Omega's going to go on a run for a minute. I mean, if, it's going to be a minute. I dare say this might – wait, never mind. I'm going to save that one. With Chuck Taylor being his young boy, and they, they're not saying young boy on – which television, they shouldn't. Television. They're saying Butler because yeah. Young Boy is a translation, you know, loss in translation type of thing from New Japan. Yeah. But um, I think that we're heading towards a Miro Orange Cassidy match, in which case, as because I love Rusev so much, and Zach, tell me if you're with me, I would love to have Rusev be the guy to no sell 
Orange Cassidy and just squash the fuck out of him. I think that would elevate him immediately because uh, Orange Cassidy, even though Darby Allen is kind of top of the mid card, right? Because he's the TNT champion. Uh, as far as popularity, it's Orange Cassidy. Like he's on TV every week, and he w- he gets huge reactions. If we would have fans, like he would be getting mega pops. But he sells like the most merch in the entire company, pretty much. So, uh, but yeah, I think that's a good idea. Let him book the territory. Thank you, thank you. Okay, what we got next? <laughs> uh, next, we had a little skit with uh, Matt Hardy and Private Party. So the Hardy Party, that's where great. Matt Hardy is. Uh, turning heel, and this is like a continuation of a BTE storyline too, where uh, he said last week in front of Snoop Dogg that they would get a thirty, he would get a thirty percent cut as their manager. Turns out he had them sign it, and it was actually a fifty percent cut. And he's kind of telling them, well, this is a lesson learned, right? You need to read the contract, and you should have a lawyer look at it, and all this. So we'll see, like where this goes, whether it's Matt Hardy and Private Party splitting, or whether. Uh, private party turns heel and kind of leans into it. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but uh, that's just a little continuation of a storyline. And then we had the inner circle New Year's resolutions, which whenever like they announced this last week, because they do the rundowns of the show, like that's one thing that I really like about AEW. They get you excited for the next show. Or they don't, you know, it just depends on what you like. But like they tell you what's going to be on the next show. and They, they do you, it like, pretty well. Yeah, they tell you almost every segment. Like, you know what to expect when you watch the show. And when we were like, Inner Circle New Year's Resolutions, I'm like, like a lot of the Jericho stuff and like a lot of the Inner Circle stuff, I'm like, this is either going to hit or miss. And it most of the time hits. This hit hard. Dude, when Sammy Guevara called Jericho a tag team slut, I <laughs> lost it. That, like, that's like in the 2021 FIFA markout moment of the year. Like, I loved it. Like, I was just dying because I remember, like, he, like, was teaming with Hager for a minute. And he's like, we're going after the tag team championships. And they never did, which is kind of rare. They don't, AEW doesn't normally drop storylines like that, but they totally dropped that one. And, uh, yeah, this was just a lot of fun. MJF then, like, you know, Hager is just being a total goon and all he says is championships. And and MJF's like, hey, very good, Jacob. Like, good, uh, good, you know. (laughs) And he continues his whole shtick about strengthening the bonds with the inner circle. And then they turn it into an angle. And like Bill said at the top of the show, we got a triple threat tag team scenario in within one faction. And that's a lot of fun. Pretty good angle. You know, it really was. And so I think this is a total win. And there was a lot of good stuff on this show, uh, but this might have been my favorite. God damn, Zach is a mark for the inner circle, man. No, Just, it's it's for AEW across the board. I think it's mostly for Sammy Guevara, man. Like I think that like you. Like, no, you marked out huge for the Jericho and MJF singing singing thing. It won an award, dude. It Jason, award. Jason, what did you think about the inner circle segment? I I have really low expectations about it because I just didn't fit. It's kind of like a what's next for the inner circle kind of segment. And they basically, you know, entertained and then set up the the angle for next week with the triple threat match. I love the fact that Santana 
uh, stepped up and was like, you know, hey, you brought us in to the inner circle to be the tag team of the inner circle. What the fuck is up with that, basically? And that kind of spiraled off into now this triple threat uh, tag team match for next week. If it's anybody, and I, I know the golden prediction is what it is, but man, this has got to be a time that Santana and Ortiz win a big time well, was, tag team match. I this is it. The, I was thinking the exact same thing. I was the exact same thing. And you know what? All three of those tag teams look pretty good. MJF and Jericho seem like main eventers, but I kind of like Hager and Guevara. Yeah, as a they got the size thing going as a tag team. Also, I'm with Zach. I love Sammy Guevara. I I really do. The tag team slut thing. I mean, that wouldn't be my that wouldn't be my mark out moment of the year. Sorry, I laughed my ass. It wouldn't, even, it wouldn't even be close. I mean, I thought it was kind of cute. No, nah, that shit was funny, dog. He's the like, shit. he tagged with you. He tagged was, with you. I mean, that's fine. I, you know, I respect that. You know, like I've certainly I've certainly gushed over stuff that isn't as good as I thought it was when I was sober. Okay, I'm just saying if the, if the shoe fist lace that some bitch up. Sure. Yeah, have a good time. Like what you like. I like the angle of having all three go at each all three tag teams go at each other. I also like Santana and Ortiz being the ones to step up or sorry, uh Santana was the one that stepped up and said, no, we're supposed to be the tag team because there was a moment where I was watching that last night and there were seven fucking guys in the ring. Right. And, and, you know, you just have these flashes of NWO when, like, everybody was at the big, yeah. You know, and it's like, wait a minute, how big is this faction? Because seven people is too big. They're doing a good job of telling a slow story. Stories about, within a story. About how this team has never really, all seven of them have never really been on the same page. I mean, Hager and Wardlow just fought a couple weeks ago. <laughs> We're and, going super there smirking like, yeah, beat your ass, motherfucker. Yeah. And, yeah good. You know, I, I'm starting to think that Jericho is a little, like, I've, I've used this before. You guys know what phrase I'm going to use. He's a little too cute. A little too cute. A little too cute. The Sammy Hager thing, while funny. It was funny. It's like, I mean, it's okay. No, I mean, it, it's, it's, a da- it's a dated reference. So those of us that could get it, laugh. Others, it went over their heads. Yeah, but, it, you know, it's wrestling, so it's like they they just pounded into you. It's like, hey, we get the joke. You don't have to tell us the joke over and over and over again. Um, it's no different than Hager, you know, championships. Same thing. No, that's a little bit funny, but you know how big of a swagger guy I am. Yeah. I love Jake Hager. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I, 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 I thought it was a fine segment. I am really looking forward to the tag team match next that, week. And the ultimately, that's... Really, I just want to see, I just want to see Santana Ortiz wrestle more. Well, because they're, they're the guys, you know, besides Guevara, out of those guys, those are the three best in-ring guys, right? Out of inner circle. We're all in agreement on that. It's Santana Ortiz and Sammy Guevara. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, who else? Uh, I mean, it's not going to be Wardlow. It's no. not going to be Hager. It's not going to be uh, Grandpa Jericho. No. And it ain't going to be slow-ass MJF. See, stop. It's going to be those three guys. So I want to see Santana Ortiz wrestle more. No. I, well, Santana. Santana really rough, like, last couple months, too. Like, uh, his, like, dad died. I think it was COVID. Um, and... 
you know, with like the Brody Lee thing. And I think he had like another like COVID death. He was out for a little while. Like he wasn't on the show. Because, I remember that. And I'm, I'm certainly yeah. sympathetic to that. I'm just saying that I'm, I'm ex- saying, like, I'm excited to see those guys wrestle again. And this is an yeah, op- for sure. and this is an opportunity to get them back on track because I was really excited when they came over, and that has been the Jason's high been water mark about it for a long time. Jason's been like tooting that horn for a while. Like well, yeah, because I mean there were Impact champions or whatever the case may be, and then you know they left. The North beat them, and then yeah, they were LAX. They were awesome. right, and then you know them coming to. AEW and being a part of the inner circle, which just made the inner circle was already hot, which made them just, you know, by proxy, even just coming in hot. So, I mean, there was a lot of excitement coming in. You know, the, the division itself was already pretty much, you know, legitimate. That just made it even more so. So, yeah, maybe it was me and I set the bar ridiculously high, but they came in and realistically their debut and the street fight match they had with best friends in the uh the parking lot are the two high water marks as far as i'm concerned maybe i'm missing something i can't remember but to me those are the two high water marks for uh santana ortiz since they came over to AEW, and that shouldn't be that way i am um so then we had an interview with the Dark Order, and uh, apparently, this is one thing that I love, and I tweeted this last night, is the uh, subtle storytelling with um, AEW in general. But, uh, you know, Evil Uno's doing this interview, and he essentially says, like, everything we do from now on is going to be in the name of Brody Lee. And I feel like Dark Order was already on their way to a face turn because I had the inkling that Adam Page was going to join and when Adam Page joined that does not turn Adam Page heel that turns the Dark Order face like that's how strong of a character Adam Page is He's he would be able to turn an entire faction with joining it unfortunately the faction was already turned by the death of Brody Lee mm-hmm. there's no way the Dark Order can be heels no. they're just not going to be no. and you, in WWE they would probably try to fight it but you gotta roll with the punches, and you gotta, you you, you can't fight the crowd. So just roll with it. If, if they want to cheer the Dark Order, and everybody does, John Silver is a fountain of charisma. Anna Jay and Ty Conti, which we'll get to, same thing. Uh, so, uh, but the the subtle storytelling I was talking about, Adam Page, you know, says he's gonna announce next week, and he's wearing a black cowboy shirt. Right? That's not an accident. Just little stuff like that. You know, he's his. Cow, his bedazzled cowboy shirt was all black, and uh, I thought it was a cool little detail. So we're going to get his answer next week, and I hope it's yes. I think it's going to be yes. I didn't think so until you just said that whole thought process. I wouldn't, You can't turn Dark Order back to being heels at this point. It's just it's it's going against the grain. I mean, the whole Brody Lee tribute show is, like I said, probably one of the best shows I've ever seen on, on a weekly episode show. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. I'll, I'll put that on anything against any show AEW has done up to that point. It's going to be hard, like you said, to get them to be back to being healed. So, like you said, I don't know if it's more so Adam Page's character 
makes the Dark Order be able to be baby faces. I just, and this is no disrespect. I think the death of Brody Lee is able to make them more so of a baby face. So now you can slide Adam Page over and make him make the whole faction baby faces. Don't get don't get it twisted though. There was a time where we were sitting here talking about, oh, Adam Page is going to turn heel. Adam Page is going to turn heel, and then guess what? Omega is the one end up turning heel at the end. So it could it could happen. I don't I didn't think it would until you just said something. Now I'm on board. I can see it happening. Yeah. It's, it's negative. It's negative one's birthday next week too. True story. I mean, we talked about Adam Page turning heel, but that was before. I mean, o- Omega, they basically did a New Japan turn where they were like they sowed little seeds, little seeds, little seeds, and then he went over the side of Niagara Falls in a barrel, and now he's a full fledged heel. <laughs> Talking about Dark Order turning baby faces. I mean, I, I yeah, I'm waiting for this. <laughs> what do you think I'm going to say? I, I think you're going to shit on it. Just disband them all together. It has not worked. It only worked for a little bit when Brody Lee came in right off the bat, and then they had him lose right off the bat. Let's, you don't think it's working right now? Dark Order? No, yeah. no, no. I do not. Dude. John Silver works. This is one thing where I don't think that you have to watch BTE, but if you did watch BTE, you would have a different opinion because I think that it's a great act. And I I can't believe I'm saying that, especially after last year, right? I mean, it was like, we thought it was like the death knells of AEW was that bad. But no, I I was not that. that, I wouldn't say it was a death knell, but I would say it it was an act that wasn't working, that never worked for me. That they tried, they tried getting me on board a couple times, and I almost got on board a couple times, but I never actually did. I loved Luke Harper, aka Brody Lee, aka John Huber, and I thought that he was misused as evidenced by our old podcast in WWE when he came over and he lost to Cody Rhodes. That should have been the end of Dark Order. That w- that should have been the end of it. They wear fucking masks. They don't really have. Like I don't know all the people, I don't. I don't they they all have numbers or something. Like it's not over. It's never been over. It's not going to get over. Brody Lee couldn't get it over. If you made Cody Rhodes the head of Dark Order, it couldn't get over. It's a dead gimmick. Fuck it. Throw it in the trash. It's gone. I think you're very wrong. I think Brody Lee did get it over, um, and I think it is over. And I think if there were people in the crowd, even pre Brody Lee. Uh, death, I think that we would be able to recognize how over the act is. Oh, totally, dis- totally disagree. Totally disagree. Jason, you're the tiebreaker. Who's wrong? Not who's right. Who's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Dick. Dick. Oh, I'll say this. The only reason he's taking this long is because he doesn't want to go against Zach. No, 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 no. It's easy to go against Bill. I get get your point. The Dark Order without Brody Lee has floundered. Once he disappeared and we didn't know the reason why, we kind of threw it out there. You know, where's Brody Lee? Where's Brody Lee? You know, the Dark Order has floundered. I watched 
dark. I watch Dynamite. I don't watch BET. So there's only so much of the dark order I that I can come BET. up. I don't think you watch BTE. BTE, thank you. Um, so there's only so much of the dark order I can, you know, digest into. It it feels like they're floundering. Kurt Kurt Cabana. Colt Cabana is a great example of that. It's taken it this long to finally kind of convert him over, and he's really doesn't feel like he's been converted over. So I get your point. But John Silver in front of fans, if there was fans in the stands, he would be Orange Cassidy over. That is one guy in a group of ten it o- people. It only takes one. You could... You, if you take one person and start putting attention, put that one little short dude in front of the, the eight or nine other motherfuckers, you at least now be like, okay, I like him. Then what's up with this dude? What's up with that girl? And you can focus on the group itself. I think if you had fans in the stands, they would be more over. But I do agree with you. When you took Brody Lee away, the Dark Order really didn't have a direction moving forward. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. We can we can move on. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so we're we did not take a stance, back. Jason. By the way, we did not take a stance. You could have taken you could have taken Zach or Bill and said you go right down the middle of the road. It's the true story, though. All I mean, right. look at it. Sure, that's what, uh, Zach and I can agree on that being a weak ass take. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got dug. I'll be damned. I'm just saying. Words in my yeah, right. So I say, you take that ball, you dunk it on his face. Dunk it on his face. Well, I thought we were on the same side uh, there. Family and everything. Married to cousins. Was a, uh, <laughs> this was a good uh, match and also like a really fun intro because we had Don Callis and Kenny Omega backstage and the Young Bucks come up and he's like, hey, if you guys do your thing, your entrance music is great. We'll just have separate entrances. So we got the, the classic Kenny Omega entrance, which is a highlight of every show. And then Don Callis announces uh, the world tag team champions, Kenny Omega's best friends, the good brothers. So total swerve. We think we're going to get the elite, but we get a different elite and it snapshot to Tony Khan, the young bucks backstage, kind of a rare moment for Tony Khan to be on camera and they're just shaking their heads. And then we have a really good match uh, versus the varsity bronze and Danny limelight of new Japan strong and I'm going to say fame, but uh, Danny Limelight definitely shown in the limelight here. He looked like a million bucks, just like he does on New Japan Strong. Guy's a total talent. Kenny Omega sold for him. But eventually, uh, these guys succumb to the Magic Killer, which is not a surprise. Uh, but it was a really fun match while it lasted. So, and it continued storylines. Got some young talent in the ring on national television with some uh, veteran talent. Succeeded on every level go ahead do you guys have any thoughts no i was was going to wait for him to go first but uh moxley comes out obviously afterwards and then you have the the scrum after the fact the match itself i did not have a problem with the match itself i thought like you said it gave danny limelight and uh griff garrison and uh brian pillman jr the light to uh for lack of a better term to shine and I think they did a good job. If God forbid, if they had a trio title, that could be, you know, a, a three-man team that could be that young up-and-coming trio team or whatever the case may be, but that's neither here nor there. I, I mean, the ultimate question is, you know, what kind of rift, if any, is this going to put into the 
new uh, Bullet Club 2.0, I guess, for lack of a better term. I mean, damn, you know, you we just got the band together. Y'all are already clowning. I mean, what the fuck? It's, it ain't even been a week. So <laughs> I know that I saw the Bucks come out and, you know, defend Omega versus uh, the Lucha Brothers or whatever. But then on the flip side of it, you know, Omega and Don Callis was running like scalded dogs. So, you know, there's obviously more to the story, which which is always good. You know, the AEW does a good job telling the story where they give you enough and then, you know, they give you just enough to where you got to come back next week. But I guess, yeah, the question is, you know, now what's the deal? You know, are the Bucks getting played? Are we getting played? You know, it's it's enough to where now I feel like I got to watch. I was going to watch it anyway. Hard to kill because I feel like, you know, the Bucks might come to Hard to Kill on Saturday night and do some shit. Every time you say Hard to Kill, I think of the Steven Seagal movie. movie. Me too. Me some, too. Somebody better call 911. <laughs> um, That's the second time Steven Seagal has been referenced in two weeks on this show. You should that, keep it going. That might be Mark for Death. I can't remember which one it is. I think it's Mark for Death, but I'm not sure. If he where he, he's in the gas station. The guy's fucking with him. The guy's robbing the gas station. He doesn't know that Steven Seagal's back there buying Skittles. And Steven Seagal goes, somebody better call 911. He's getting ready to whoop those dudes Like he asses. stands up or some shit. Yeah, it's badass. Um, so I was shaking my head. We, You and I, bad pod. We left Zach hanging there a little bit. Uh, there was some dead air. And Zach, guys, Zach goes, are you guys going to say anything? I was shaking my head a little bit because, um, you know, I'm going to go hard at Zach on this on this podcast. We were talking about the Dusty. We were talking about the Dusty tag team. And I go, well, at least, you know, we'll get some guys some, you know, national TV time. And he kind of pushballed it. And then he talks about this match <laughs> with the Good Brothers and uh, Kenny Omega. And he goes, oh, well, you know, these very talented guys got some, got some, got some rub. That's fine, you know. Whatever. I didn't. Di- I didn't disagree with your national TV point. I think that that was a good point. I didn't disagree with it. Thank you. I just want to hear you say it again. That you didn't disagree. <laughs> oh with come that. on, man! Wait, who can you say? You gonna browbeat the man? I'm really just. I'm really just fucking with Zach. The thing that I was actually shaking my head about. The thing I was actually shaking my head about is that because within an hour, the Eddie Kingston and Pack segment ended with a schmoz, right? Mm-hmm. Tons of guys out there. And then the 8 o'clock segment, Central Time, with the Kenny Omega versus uh, the the uh, Varsity Bronze, it also ended with the schmoz. Like, I just think that's too many schmozzes per show. And to me, and I've said this before, that's a little too WCW for me. It's just very schmoz heavy where you empty out you empty out the, the backstage area to have a bunch of guys come out and hit their finishes on each other. I don't think that does anybody any good. That does. I don't think that does certainly doesn't get me excited to watch next week. And it doesn't get I me. I will say, Oh, sorry. No, I'm go ahead. Interrupt you, but I, I will say you're half right because I do agree with that sentiment. A hundred percent. Where it differs from WCW is the schmoz would be in place of a finish with AEW, they at least give you a finish, but I think it's a symptom of them only having two hours of television and they really want to pack a bunch of stories in there. So you're totally right, because it seems like after every match, there is an angle that involves a bunch of guys. Um, and it, that's a total thing, and it, it's a valid criticism. Uh, and it doesn't, you don't have to have an angle after every show. 
uh, or after every match. But it seems like that's kind of the way that they do it. I love it. We're on the same page. They did it with Jay Cargill on the waiting room segment. They did it in the main event. Oh, yeah, that's right. The waiting room segment was awful. Dude, I actually really liked the waiting room segment. I'm not saying I liked what happened, like, here. I like Britt Baker, and I think that that's a worthwhile kind of sports entertainment segment. I like I Britt Baker also. Yeah, I think she's very talented. I loved when she caused, like, a whole bunch of ruckus and then just stood back and stood on the couch and videotaped <laughs> it on her phone. Oh, my God. That killed me. I know that but type Jade of Cargill, Yeah, Jade Cargill uh, has a great look, uh, and obviously, like, you know, she looked, She just looks great. Like, I haven't really seen her wrestle, uh, but she needs work with her promos, and she's in a top-level kind of feud. Like, I mean, Cody and Brandy are like, that, that's as top as you can get in AEW, and she's just not quite promo ready for that, and that's what brought it down. Um, the host, the host, and I'm, I agree with you guys. I like Britt Baker. Let's just put that on the table. The whole segment was bad. I mean, it, it turned into a shitstorm fairly fucking quickly. And it started with Cody when they brought him out or whatever. The next thing you know, I mean, yeah, Britt Baker was running them down. They probably should have saved all that until he came out and then brought Jade Cargill out. And then after that, like you said, she's got to remember that this is a microphone and it best suits you when it's close to your mouth. I know you want to talk shit and I like to talk shit too. But once again, you got to keep this thing close to your mouth. Otherwise, the shit don't work. That's my biggest problem with Jade. She physically looks it. Now I got to see her wrestle. That's the next thing. Right now, her promos aren't making me want to see her wrestle. Now I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's great. But what can she do in the ring? Maybe she could do something in the ring that will persuade me to look at her differently. Right now, she just looks like... I, I don't want to say Tamina because that's we don't know if she's going to be booked like such. But she looks the part, but there's nothing more past than the physical look. Let's just go like that. Do you tell all the women in your life you better keep this shit close to your mouth or it's not going to work? I've tried it before. It just it, And that's usually not a good sign. It's usually a reason why they try to bite my shit. So, you know, I, I kind of get to steer away from that line of questioning all the time. <laughs> I have nothing. I have nothing to add about Jade Cargill, and even less to add about Jason. <laughs> Get this dick butt off. Uh, Jurassic right, Express so, versus FTR. Yep. Fun match. Uh, they gave they gave uh, these guys a lot, especially Marco Stunt. And the cool thing about this, is, I, I loved uh, that Jungle Boy was using his uh, theme, that new theme song. Uh, that was great, and I was that was one of my favorite parts of the show. And uh, the cool thing is, is you can do this match again, but with Luchasaurus instead mm-hmm. of Marco Stunt. So that was my takeaway from it. This is just round one. Um, Marco Stunt, you know, he he's not the the best wrestler, but he's going to be able to sell all kinds of bounces, all kinds of bumps. So that's a good person to have around. FTR looks strong, but they still, you know, have to have Tully. Involved, so that keeps them with heat on them. Jungle Boy is probably going to be, like I said, a year from now, two years from now, he's going to be the next guy on the rise. He'll be in the Darby Allen spot, hopefully, 
closer than that, but he'll be the next one on the rise. So it was a good match. And like you said, it, bringing back Luchasaurus will make this, they'll be, able to, they'll be able to run this one back again. All right. Uh, unless Bill has anything to add, we can go to Tay Conti versus Serena Deeb, which uh, I really like this match. And I feel like it's a total indictment on the WWE Performance Center that Tay Conti was there for like three or four years. And we never got a good match out of her. And she's been in AEW for a few months. And same kind of thing with Anna Jay, who only had like a dozen matches before she was on national TV. And just seeing their growth in the past few months, like they both are like future winning stars in this company. Uh, obviously super marketable. I mean, of course, like that's the first thing that a lot of people will recognize is that they're insanely hot. But Tay Conti, they've always pushed that martial arts background. She does that judo stuff. She does like her version of the Three Amigos with that like triple arm drag, triple judo arm drag. This is the best match I've ever seen her with, which makes sense because Serena Deeb's a, a great wrestler. But uh, I really think that we will see a lot more of Tay Conti and uh, we'll see a lot better matches out of her as she develops. It's just weird that even in COVID, she's gotten so much better than she did spending years in the performance center. Isn't that what they do there? Like, I just, I don't understand. Doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't make sense. That Those two uh, definitely work well together, though. I mean, I, mean, I like Serena Deeb a lot. Yeah, I, I liked her a lot when she was in... Uh, right to censor. No, Punk's Straight Edge Society. Straight Edge Society. That was... Um, You're thinking of Ivy. Ivy. Um, Ivory's like 20 years older than Serena Deeb. <laughs> <laughs> the brunettes, I can't tell them apart. Um, no, I, I agree I with the feeling. <laughs> I agree with everything. You, yeah, right. Uh, everything you said, TBZ, is on point, especially with the Ty Conte part. She looks way different than she did in NXT. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if she was hurt in NXT, but ultimately she couldn't have been hurt that long to where she did not have any sort of development. She looks heads and shoulders different than she looks in NXT. She's got a remarkable uh, future ahead of her. Anna Jay is the same way. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not going – we shit on WWE all the time. So, I mean, I'm not going to shit on them completely on this. I'm pretty sure that she had some injury spots in her time in NXT. But – she looked really fucking good in this match, and you can tell she's got – they're going to put some sort of horse behind her. So, I mean, slowly, they're, I guess, we're putting some sort of division together. It's, it's it's taking a while, but, I mean, there's a part there. There's a part there, you know, maybe get somebody – if you can get Britt Baker the title, there's a bunch of baby faces running around that would be chasing after. Thunder Rose is going to be one. That match is coming up in the, at uh, Beach Bash or whatever at the first of the uh, – February so I mean it's it's there it's just it's god damn it's taking a while for this shit to fucking get on track and get going again let's let's get to that let's get to that best match of the night please (laughs) please and thank you Brian Cage Darby Allen TNT championship so uh, this was just Brian Cage throwing Darby Allen around like it was one of the craziest things I've seen on regular TV when he like 
full like gorilla pressed him and threw him like 12 feet like through a table pretty wild like, over the top rope bonkers busted him open totally crazy at least he got him there i mean he yeah no him. shit he to where he was supposed to go like fuck he almost so... overthrew it yeah, he threw the right, fuck out of him. Too hard. Uh, I, I I like the way that these two guys work together. Darby Allen looked great against him. Uh, Cage sold for Darby Allen when he had to, you know. And Darby Allen's an impressive wrestler, especially when he has somebody really big to work against, which is the way that a lot of little guys are. But um, it was one of my favorite Darby Allen matches. Uh, Certainly non-pay-per-view category. Yeah, uh, the spot outside of the one that Zach was talking about where Cage used Darby as a lawn dart, apparently, or especially, I think it was after that spot where he, I think he picked him up and had him in the suplex position and he walked up the stage or walked up the steps onto the stage or whatever and, like, you know, dumped him onto the stage or whatever. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, Brian Cage is just, you know, abusing this poor cat, but it, that's the, what I expected to see. From that point, the finish is not necessarily the best finish in the world. It gets Sting back into you the mix. You don't say. I'm just, you know why I like the finish? And it's not because of Sting. So if you, you like the finish? This is, another, this is another AEW subtle storytelling. If you think back, like that is pretty much the same finish that Cody used to beat Darby. And Taz tried to recruit Darby and said, hey, you know, young, young dude, I can help you out. You know, you're losing to Cody. I can help you. And Darby rebuffed him. And then Darby uses the same move on Taz's boy Cage to, you know, to retain his TNT championship. So it's just like a little, like, very simple thing. Uh, but that's why I liked it. I'm not saying I liked, like, the whole, like, sting bit and the interference bit. But I, I did like that aspect of it. I, I, I'm just sick of the hocus pocus, man. I mean, this was after I had already watched Raw. The ending of Raw, which we're getting ready to get to, <laughs> was abominable. Just absolutely just one of the worst things I've ever seen. And I'm I'm just sick of the hocus pocus, especially after watching Wrestle Kingdom last week, you know, and I know that there's room in professional wrestling. I know it's a big tent and that you can have all sorts of things within professional wrestling. But on Monday night and Wednesday night, we got two Hocus Pocus main events where the lights go out and somebody is there. Fuck. I'm, we'll get to Raw in a second. I just, I'm just sick of that type of shit. I, I want to see tournaments. I want to see movesets. I want to see ending sequences. I want to see, basically, I want to see NJPW all the time. But... <laughs> Because it's not on all the time, I have to watch the rest of this stuff, which I also like. Just I'm yeah, it sounds I'm, like it. I'm sick of the hocus pocus. I can't. I I just can't stand it, man. It's like it's 2021. Let's move ahead to the future, can we? And get rid. I never of, knew you hated Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker so much. And don't forget Kathy and Jimmy. Um, was she the other one? I I had no idea. That was. A great IMDb memory there. I'm pretty sure it's Kathy and the Jimmy. Um, 
Should we move on to Raw now, or do you have something else to say about AEW? Because that felt like a really good segue from a professional podcaster. But, I mean, if you're going to slow me down, Jason, <laughs> looks like you have something else to say. Now we're good. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and let you score, dog. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Do you no. have something else to say? Um, just basically that I'm with you on the Sting thing, but it's the catch-22. Bringing him back is one thing. When do you have him wrestle is another thing. Yeah, and I like – I. I've always said that I like Darby Allen in the ring. Like he had, there was a bunch of good sequences in this Brian Cage match that I liked a ton, like a ton. I was very entertained. I don't want to get a reputation as a Darby Allen hater. <laughs> you know what my favorite thing about it was? He didn't use a skateboard once in the match. Yeah, we're going to see next week how much of a Darby hater you are. Let's get to that three count. Okay, so it was a good week in the WWE main roster <laughs> to be an old, retired, bald wrestler with a goatee hmm. because we got two old, retired, bald wrestlers with goatees as number one contenders. <laughs> we have Goldberg, his old ass. Uh, I think that I'm very uh, – I think that the entire podcast, all three of us are on the record about how we feel about Goldberg being the number one contender. And then in a completely out-of-left-field move, we have Adam Pierce, who is former NWA champion, former Ring of Honor wrestler, you know, a, a good worker in his own right, uh, hasn't, had a, hasn't had a match in a long time, shows up on Raw – Shows up in WWE television probably about six months ago. Give or take. As kind of the on-air, for lack of a better term, authority figure. He wasn't a general manager or anything. He was just kind of the guy that took the shit from the wrestlers. Right. Uh, they decide to have Roman Reigns start picking on him. This one, they have a gauntlet match. Nakamura was featured prominently in this gauntlet match. It was Ray over Sami Zayn. Nakamura over Ray, Nakamura over Corbin, Nakamura over Brian. Roman Reigns and Jay Uso come out, beat the shit out of Nakamura. I'm only saying this because I know Zach doesn't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Jay Uso and Roman Reigns come out and beat the shit out of Nakamura and also beat the shit out of Adam Pierce and then lay Adam Pierce across Nakamura. Adam Pierce is now the number one contender for the SmackDown title at Royal Rumble. Um, we'll get to Triple H and the Bray Wyatt angle in just a little bit. Jason, what are your thoughts on Adam Pierce being the number one contender? I was thinking to myself Friday night after I saw you or whatever, um, I'm going to go watch SmackDown, but I was like, well, what what's next for Roman Reigns? What's next for Roman Reigns? You know, we, it can't be KO anymore, but something's got to be next, you know, Royal Rumble's around the way, you know. Roman Reigns, by the way, was tremendous on the entire SmackDown. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Yeah. He is an, he's an incredible heel. It should have did this a long time I know, ago. I know, God I know. damn. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, what's next? You know, they've been playing this so well. They've been playing this so well. God damn, you know, this is good, great storyline. So what's next? So fast forward, this happens, and I'm kind of, you know, the knee-jerk reaction is like, you know, what the fuck? But then I'm like, okay, you know, let me stop and let, let's sit back and think about this for a second. Because I doubt very seriously we're going to have two 
suspect world title matches. And I'll use the word suspect lightly or nicely. Somehow, some way, Adam Pierce is going to get replaced. I just can't figure out who is going to replace him. KO obviously is the obvious choice because they have their backstage relationship, RH relationship, whatever you want to call it. Nakamura is now in play because he just got jumped by Jay and Roman at the end of SmackDown. Daniel Bryan might be in play because they've kind of left that storyline hanging out there. I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those three wrestle Roman Reigns in some form or fashion for the title at Royal Rumble or a fatal four-way to really get Roman Reigns behind the eight ball for the first time in this he's hitting up <laughs> in this uh heel run that he's had so he has all the guys that have kind of done him dirty against him in the in the one match same match for the title that would be a, a, the, probably the best I wouldn't say the best way the way I would kind of do it to me that's the most intrigue but I'm not going to sit up here and shit on this just yet. They've done a good job with the Roman Reigns storyline. I'm going to reluctantly <laughs> give you jokers the benefit of the doubt because I know I should be shitting on this. I'll shit on Goldberg. Goldberg, Drew McIntyre still don't make no sense. I don't care if you had Drew come out and tell me to wear a mask and then tell me how he, he shouldn't be fucking with Goldberg at this point, but I got to do it anyway. Still don't make sense. I'm going to give the Roman Reigns storyline a pass because they've hit the mark every point up to this point. So I'm going to give you a pass on this. you got about two or three weeks to get this shit right. Because I'm, I'm telling you right now, if I'm watching Royal Rumble on the 30th or the 31st, whatever that Joker's on, and Pierce and fucking Roman Reigns, plus Goldberg and uh, Drew McIntyre title matches, we're going to have a problem. A huge problem. Your boy's going to be pissed, okay? All right, I'm done. You guys can go. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Just don't make it. Well, I shouldn't say that. It makes sense, but it to me, this is just a bridge to where we're going to go, so that's why I'm not going to get mad. I was disappointed, but, I mean, they all can't be home run stories. They all can't be home run episodes. This was a double episode. I just think the bigger picture is coming. We just got to wait a week or two to see what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be Nakamura uh, because, you know, he's been uh, heel for a good little while, and then you see him run the, this gauntlet, and suddenly you're like, oh, shit, like, Nakamura's like... Oh, you reminded why Nakamura's good. Yeah, and, like, it kind of, like, turns him face, and uh, I think that that's a much more intriguing matchup than Adam Pierce. obviously. Um, I mean, Adam Pierce is kind of intriguing in one sense just because, um, you know, if you wanted to tell a story of, like, the five-time NWA champion who, you know, never got to make it to WWE, you know, to fulfill his dream of, like, getting the WWE title. But instead, you got Michael Cole burying him and being like, he was never good enough to be in WWE. That kills the gimmick right there. That kills the entire angle. So, obviously, they're not going to run with that. Like, we're not going to have Adam Pierce and Roman Reigns. I think it's going to be Nakamura. I love the Adam Pierce sell of that super kick. Dude sold that super kick like a champ. Mm-hmm. Crumble like a motherfucker. I'm, I'm not so sure we're not going to get Adam Pierce just because it's at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. The Royal Rumble sells itself. 
People are going to tune. Stop shaking your head. So, are you having a seizure? <laughs> <laughs> you keep talking about have both. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll stop shaking. I, I don't know. I'm just. I. I just don't. I. I'm trying to will it out of existence. Okay, if I, I had think, sage, I, I'd be burning it. All, all you want to see is the two Royal Rumbles anyway. Like, I'm not tuning in to the Royal Rumble pay-per-view to see Goldberg versus Drew McIntyre, unless it's Drew McIntyre, Claymore, and his head off twice in a row. That would be fucking awesome. Um, but, I mean, the Royal Rumble pay-per-view sells itself, right? No, it, it's it's still my favorite pay-per-view. I'm, I'm not going back away from that, but it, it's just it's missing a little intrigue. I guess, for a lack of a better term. So I need a title match. I mean, a legit title match to kind of, you know, balance things out a little bit. They I can't, never do that. You can't have two part-time guys, for a lack of a better term, go after the two biggest titles in the company. Why not? They the do same- it at WrestleMania all the time. I'm, well, I'm sorry. You got the two wrong part-time guys on this one. No fucking shit. Yes, I agree. Okay. 100%. Okay. So, sorry, not sorry. That's uh, why I have a problem with speaking it. Speaking of part-time guys, Drew McIntyre uh, ends up with COVID, uh, so he's cutting promos from his house in his closet. So Raw opens up with the cerebral assassin himself, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, comes in, starts to cut a promo, doesn't even get one sentence in. Uh, before Orton comes out and Orton and Hunter start talking shit to each other. Orton talks about putting on flair. Hunter starts talking about how he doesn't like that so much. And Orton challenges him <laughs> to a fight. They end up having a fight. Now, I'm I want to start off with the good here. So I know Jason didn't watch it. I know No, he- no, no. I watched everything up to the last 30 minutes. Well, if you didn't watch the last 30 minutes then you missed a very big part of it because you missed the actual match. It was a 30-minute barn burner between them. I mean, so many good near falls. No, it was I think a... you added a, a zero. <laughs> it was a... It was I'm a, like, I'm sitting there like, no way it was that good. So Zach watched it, right? I watched, like, the clips. I okay. okay. the show, but on I, the internet. I'll start off with the good. I feel like I've just let down the podcast. I'll, I'll start... Well, you're the one that watches everything. You yeah. probably watched some fucking triple a match from uh, 2005 this week. <laughs> no not yet that'll be when i get home that's sad no i watched no, the national that stardom account though i, I see him watching stardom yeah as, as i say i gotta watch the next stardom show the national title game was on man that was way better than fucking raw was on monday night yeah it was because alabama covered the eight and a half point spread you ain't shit but uh so i i, I want to start off with the good Hunter and Orton, Triple H and Orton, having a face-to-face promo at the beginning really does put into relief as much as you might not like Triple H as a person, as a wrestler, as old as he might be. He is one of the most natural promos in the business. He, it's, it's, you believe it when you see it. He can sell a match. Him and Orton, I, it just kind of, while I was sitting there watching it, it kind of struck me how much sometimes I kind of miss Triple H. <laughs> Zach, am I crazy? No, I think mostly it's uh, he probably doesn't have anybody writing for him. 
you know, like the boss. And that's a really good. That's a really good. Circle gets the square. I mean, that's it. I mean, you can tell the difference, okay? And it's not it's not a knock against Triple H. I think even when Triple H was under, you know, the active roster for a while and people were writing for him, he still gave good promos. I mean, he has good ability. It's not that. It just for that scenario, for that Monday night when you knew – Drew wasn't going to be there, and Triple H was going to open the show. I mean, that that was a little bit of a responsibility. So, I mean, you gave it to the guy that you felt most comfortable give, at that point giving it to. And it, it kind of says what – it kind of shows what I've been saying before. I, you know, some people might not like Drew McIntyre and might poo-poo his importance or his, you know, impact as world champion. But, I mean, it took Triple H to come in and fill his shoes. Think about that. Yeah, I mean, I think they wanted to make a splash because the champion wasn't there. Exactly. And making a splash. And they were going up against the NCAA game. Yeah. Right. And making a splash means bringing in Triple H. At least... At least it does for Vince. Yeah. I'm not saying. Yeah, it, they, it, they had just brought back all the legends last week. So Yeah, so what are you really going to do? There. So, yeah, there you go. I mean, it, it sucks for Triple H had to go down there and handle business. But, I mean, you so, know, that's what it is what it is. So that was the good. Now let's fast forward to the end. <laughs> which was Triple H versus Randy Orton in a fight. In a fight. Yeah. Guys, not a street fight. Not a wrestling match. It was in a fight. Okay. Triple H came out in his black jeans. Okay, so this is a, this is a quote-unquote street fight. No, it's just a fight. They just call it a fight. A street oh, fight has a referee. Oh, okay. So they just... okay. Oh, so we just fighting the fight. They were just fighting. Okay, so there was no referee within sight. Triple H wasn't even... In his gear. Triple H came out in his jeans. Randy Orton came out in his gear. It was fucking strange. Okay. So uh, they start to have a match, or start to have a fight, I guess. And it doesn't last very long. Like Zach said, it only lasted, I think it only lasted seven minutes or so. And um, the lights start to go out. And so Triple H goes and grabs the sledgehammer from underneath the ring and the lights go out. Are the lights start to go out? And then he pulls up the sledgehammer, and the sledgehammer's on fire. It's on fire, everybody! It's on fire. <laughs> the fucking sledgehammer, which should never be used because if you used it properly, it would kill somebody. But he decides to use it all the time. The cerebral assassin pulls it out. It's on fire. Oh, man, shit! If you ain't running, sledgehammers are incredibly flammable. I did not know that. I, I mean, for the listen, re- okay. if you're out in Calhoun County and you dip a sledgehammer in some gasoline and you light it on fire, the thing's going to burn, right? That's like a mating ritual for your sister. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I'll just say this. If Triple H... Did you mean to say my wife? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's horrible. All right, never mind. Good. And um, in K-Fame style. If Triple H decided he wanted to stay and fight the good fight, he better go get that sledgehammer. Outside of that, you know, you stuck on stupid. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. It, it's over the top, but this is WWE. It's the main event spot. Yeah, it's going to well, get over the top. Go well, ahead and finish. And then the lights go out. The lights come back on. Randy Orton's in the middle of the ring. Triple H is gone. 
Where's the sledgehammer? Did I, I guess it just disappeared with him? It disappeared with him. Okay. Alexa Bliss is well, standing. Where did the lighter fluid come from? Right. It's a great question. Alexa Bliss is standing there with a white glove on. She shows the white glove to Randy Orton, and on the heel of her hand, it says pain on the white glove. And then she shoots a fireball at Randy Orton's face, and Randy Orton sells for 90 seconds in the middle of the ring like he's blind. Raw goes off the air. Now, I'm 41 years old. I don't have that much time left. <laughs> Come on, man. Dog. Well, it's finite. What I'm saying is it's finite. Okay, okay. I was about to say, man, don't we do it like this? Why shit? am I wasting a single second of it watching this hocus-pocus garbage wrestling? Why? Why? What's What am I doing it for, Jason? What is the point? Tell me. Um, it, a fireball. She shot a fireball at him. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm you know really what? glad yeah. I didn't see this shit. Yeah, that's, I, that's I'll fine. just say Don't this. Don't answer, Zach. What, Zach? What's the point? Uh, there isn't one, and uh, yeah, you will regret all that time wasted on your deathbed. I'm not gonna lay on my deathbed and be like, oh, I should. <laughs> I should have watched more Raw. <laughs> I'll just, I guess in the Alexa case, this is obviously, for lack of a better term, clear retribution for what Randy did to her boyfriend. Now, that said, I wish we would have had more of character development to where, you know, how do she get these fucking powers all of a sudden? Yeah. Where yeah. she's, I don't know, We man. should have had more character development. That's a good point. That would have saved the segment. I, it wouldn't have saved the segment. It just, <laughs> it, what's our biggest complaint about WWE? It doesn't make sense. How the fuck she all of a sudden comes up and has, you know, these powers after Bray assaulted her weeks ago that, Obviously, nobody remembers and made him a baby face. No, which... you want to talk about kayfabe style. So kayfabe Triple style. H, Triple H comes to the ring at the very beginning, and he talks about how big of a problem he has with Randy Orton punt kicking Rick Ric Flair. But he's totally okay with him lighting Bray Wyatt on <laughs> fire. <laughs> hey man, that's Russ with <laughs> Zach. Anything to add? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, it fucking sucks. It sucks, man. It sucks. It sucked. It was terrible. It sucked. It's, well, I mean, it's at least we still keep it with the the common concept of fire. You know, I, you let my boyfriend on fire, I'm gonna put your eye out with some fire. Fire, fire, fire. I mean, speaking of stuff that sucked, I mean, T Bar beat Xavier Woods. I mean, that might as well be. I mean. Wait, wait, wait. You you hate Xavier Woods, right? I hate T I hate retribution too. Lashley squashes Riddle. Perfect. I mean, so Riddle's done. He's I, a comedy act now. Yeah. He, he started he started off his career in WWE. I'm gonna retire Brock Lesnar. Now he's getting squashed by Lashley and beating MVP with a DQ finish in a minute and a half. Um 
What else sucks here? Oh, everything. Uh, <laughs> Keith Lee and Sheamus versus Morrison and Miz. Oh no! Oh, they go they go off commercial laughing with each other. They come back from commercial. It's a match between Keith Lee and Sheamus. Oh wait, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Weren't you just? Never mind. I mean, it. They had Big E versus Apollo Cruz on SmackDown. Could have been a cool match. Mm. They decided not to book it that way. That would make too much sense. Let's book it so it covers two segments, and one of them is a double countout, and the other one is a stupid-ass fucking squash. I will say this. If you didn't watch Talking Smack, that is the only redeeming quality of this whole fucking thing where Paul Heyman really just lays into Apollo Cruz in the Talking Smack segment to close the show out. So Here's the thing I'm going to say. I'm going to say that I watch so much wrestling every week that I shouldn't have to watch the ancillary shows <laughs> like BTE and Talking Smack to have the stuff that happens on the seven hours of wrestling a week that I watch to make sense. That's just It just shouldn't happen that way. I'm not saying it, it may... It was going to make it make sense. And I'm it not just, watching Impact either. Are you going to start watching Impact? God damn. Is that an order? <laughs> uh, Zach, any 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 uh, last words to speak? Uh, main roster still sucks. Still sucks, man. You know, if they would have built up Nakamura as... If Nakamura or Adam Pierce as any sort of personality before this... You know, because like Zach said, Nakamura had a good run in that gauntlet match. It would have been cool to see Nakamura versus Roman Reigns. That's a match I'd love to see, man. I, I think we still might get it. I mean, I, I just I don't see Adam Pierce versus Roman Reigns as a match. You're you're we're getting the, a throwaway match in one form or fashion or the other, whether it's Drew retaining or Goldberg winning. I can care two shits about that match. We're not getting a second throwaway match. We're going to actually get a world title match somewhere, somehow. Fair enough. That's going to do it for our three count. One, two, three. So I know that we said that we were going to do NXT Philadelphia. I don't think that we should do it without me watching it. I'm sorry. I fucked up. And my apologies to Zach Pullman. My apologies to Jason Cornelius Bell. No apologize to me. My, my apologies to the listener. Yeah, that's what you got to apologize to. Who maybe watched it in preparation for this. Off I, with his head. I missed out. My bad. Off with his head. Now, <laughs> a quick programming note. A quick programming note is that next week we're going to be doing the beefers. Uh, we're going to be putting out stuff on at BFR Pod. At BFR, our at BFR Bill, at BFR JCB, at BFR Zach, at BFR Lucha Chris, banned from ringside on Facebook, friends of BFR on Facebook. It's going to be Beefer Week, so we are going to Ooh. be doing our best of the year next week. We'll we'll also do, we'll also do a short part. We'll also do a short part of the podcast talking about the week that was. Uh, hopefully it's a slow week because the beefers usually take a really long time. <laughs> and it is a very fun podcast to do. So I'm looking forward to it. Ditto. NXT Philadelphia will have to wait before the Royal Rumble, which will be in two weeks. 
We are also, and I don't think we talked to Zach about this, but we are also going to be doing a Royal Rumble do-over. Ooh, yeah. Of the 92 Royal Rumble, which is the one that Flair won, the one that's widely considered to be the best Royal Rumble of all time. Zach, are you okay with that? If not, we can cut this out. No, it's fine. Uh, I resubbed the network last month because I'm a huge <gasps> shit. So. Oh. So we will be doing a 92 Royal Rumble do-over. Two weeks. In two weeks. That's the week of the, the Royal, Royal Rumble. Rumble itself. So we'll give pre- preview be- predictions, and we'll do a Royal Rumble 92 uh, th- recap. It's going to be a Royal Rumble we're doing, we're extravaganza. Doing right? not, not just the Rumble, right? We're doing the whole, rum- the whole pay-per-view? The whole pay-per-view. The yes. whole pay-per-view. Okay, no, yes. that's cool. I mean, the 92... The whole pay-per-view is not going to be that big a deal, and it's really about the fucking the Rumble match itself. So, yeah, I'm down for that. I'm sure it's going to be great. And then in three weeks, we'll do NXT Philadelphia. In three weeks, we'll do NXT Philadelphia. Okay, that's fine. Because. No, I, no, that works. I next didn't watch week, it. it. Next was week here. should all be beefers all week long. Let's lead up to it. The following week is Royal Rumble week. I'm cool with that. Then the three weeks from now, we'll do NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. Works right. for me. Because it's already been, I mean, looking at my clock here, it's already been a four-hour podcast, so we should probably just wait until. Uh, so we got some birthdays this week. Hold on. This is banned from ringside. Hacksaw Jim Duggan is 67. Riddle, the aforementioned Riddle, is 34. Katie Catanzaro is 31. Kelly Kelly is only 34. That what? Can't, that can't be No, right. that's... No way. Hold on. She, no way she was that young in WWE back then. She was born in 1987. Yeah, that, that's accurate. Wow. Yeah, that makes her 34. Jesus Christ. Uh, Shane McMahon is 51. Bull Buchanan, part of my favorite faction of all time, right? The censor is 53. Uh, Tucker, RIP, is 31. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't dead. <laughs> Ted DiBiase is 67. Batista, who is a big-time movie star these days, is 52. Pat Patterson, RIP, would have been 80 this week. R-Truth is 49. Doesn't look a day of it. Black God bless him. Crack. Uh, Tyler Breeze is 33. And Carl Anderson, with his hot Asian wife, is 41. Hey, everybody. We know there's tons of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast. For Lucha Chris. Check. For Vice. Check. For Two Beards at Coleman. Check. For F&B Eatery. Check. For Jason Cornelius Bell. Konnichiwa, bitches. I am Bill Veggie. Everybody. Check. Black Lives Matter. Check. Support your local restaurants. Check. Support your, lo- support your local weed dealer. Check. <laughs> Something else I'm missing? I was waiting for you to say something. Fuck Trump. Yeah, there it is. Who's a heels? (laughs)